The live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times Radio Hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the truths about some urological symptoms and problems. So stay tuned to this show for some very beneficial information for you or your loved ones. And we are broadcasting a radio show today from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. If you're unable to find a copy of our current or past issues of The Best of Times, remember, log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view current and past issues. Remember to log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for listing of announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tiny Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by Abers, down the country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Joining me on my radio show today is a very special guest. is Dr. Alexander Gomelsky, who is a urologist with the LSU Health Sciences Center here in Shreveport. And he's going to discuss urological myth busters. So thank you, Doc, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Great to be here, Gary. Well, Doctor, I was super impressed with your presentation that you gave at the LSU Mini Med uh, a few weeks ago, where I participated, and many other, I would call us students, were there to learn more about healthcare and the latest, and and uh, you resolved a lot of our myths. And uh, many of the attendees and guests there said, you need to have that doctor on your radio show to inform the many thousands of people in the Arklatex about these myths. And, you know, hopefully they'll be more educated. And that's, that's the purpose of today's show. Again, thank you for joining us today and, and uh, to discuss these particular myths that you presented to us, which I found quite interesting and informative. And I was not aware of many of them. Uh, and I know my listeners out there today are going to find it quite educational. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your background, your educational, and your experience, and what you do at LSU Med. Well, sure. Uh, So I am originally from uh, the East Coast, from Maryland, and I did my uh, college training at uh, Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. And uh, medical school there in Baltimore as well, at University of Maryland, and then a five-year urology residency in Akron, Ohio, and a fellowship at Vanderbilt uh, specializing in female urology uh, and uh, neurologic problems. 
And then I've been in Shreveport since uh, 2004, and I uh, work at uh, LSU and also at uh, uh, at Willis Knighton as well. And do you, do you also teach uh, first year students? I mean, well, what, what do you call it? The the four year medical students as well as residents. Absolutely, we we teach medical students, residents, and also uh, PAs uh, and PA students as well. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, PA students. Well, again, we're thrilled to have you in this in the Arklatex area, and I know that you've educated and trained many of the uh, physicians that are out there and practice throughout the world. Is that right? Absolutely. And they they keep in contact with you, right? Absolutely. We're <laughs> always happy to hear that they're doing great. Oh, that's good. So let's let's get into some of these myths that you discuss. And the first one you discuss was regarding UTIs or urinary tract infections. So myth number one. Uh, uh, a bladder infection is the same thing as a kidney infection. And this is something I hear in my practice uh, a lot that uh, uh, women and, and men as well, but predominantly women will come in and say that they have lots of kidney infections. And uh, I think there's a, a little bit of a difference, and we always want to make sure we uh, figure out exactly what they've had. Uh, the two have different symptoms. Uh, bladder infections are going to be more of symptoms where they have to urinate more frequently, and there's an urgency to urinate and burning, and maybe a low-grade temperature and maybe a discoloration to the urine. The urine looks maybe it has a little blood in it or maybe cloudy or thick. A kidney infection is kind of a big deal. Uh, those usually have a high fever. Uh, they have pain in their flank or uh, upper side, uh, and they're they tend to be sicker. They, these are these are episodes where they need maybe a little bit more than just a few days of an antibiotic. And the treatments differ. That's why you you need to distinguish, and that's why that myth of thinking they they're having one, they maybe have the other. Correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Kidney infections, like I said, are tend to be a little bit of a big deal. Uh, may require hospitalization, uh, IV antibiotics, and a longer course of treatment. Uh, while bladder infections, uh, more often than not, tend to be a, a shorter course, quicker, uh, uh, quicker period. Okay, they, let's move on to myth number two, which some people think probiotics help with UTI. So is that true or false? Well, it's uh, it's kind of uh, uh, false, but with a, with a little bit of an asterisk. Uh, Explain, to listeners, what probiotics are. So these are... You hear that term used all the time? Absolutely. And I don't think a lot of people know what they're talking about. So these are, uh, predominantly, these are what essentially are, are substances that promote good bacteria uh, in, the, uh, in the vaginal area and around the, the urine channel. Uh, and specifically, we talk about things like lactobacilli. Uh, these are uh, good bacteria, um, and they, uh, they may be eliminated or, or absent in, uh, in women with urinary tract infections. And uh, so if we replenish these bacteria, these so-called good bacteria, that we may uh, actually uh, protect against urinary tract infections. So the, the, the market out there for probiotics obviously has, has taken off. So what is meant by good? What is it good for me or good for a woman? Uh, these are typically, uh, you know, these are bacteria that, that live in the, um, uh, in the vaginal area already. There are always bacteria there. And I caught... Uh, Tell patients that they're called good visitors. These are <laughs> bacteria that uh, that are not hurting you. They are, uh, you know, they don't wreck your house. They clean up after themselves, uh, uh, and they can. Uh, you don't mind them being there, and they 
but they can be eliminated in certain instances, and uh, obviously bad bacteria can be around. Okay, is this the same probiotics that people take when they're on like a diet program or yogurt? Is that the same? Uh, there's a, there are definitely some uh, uh, some myths out there about yogurt as well. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> absolutely. So those aren't the same probiotics that I'm that a woman's needing to replenish. That you said that she loses the the these. Good guys. They are uh, they they are the the same. Um, but uh, you know, if you look at the literature, there really is no good uh, solid data to support using them. I think that uh, what I tell women is that they typically don't cause any harm, but they might not necessarily uh, help them, especially in preventing urinary tract infections. Okay, one more follow up question, because I know my listeners are thinking this now. So, this good robotics is. Isn't, Gary, I know they're asking this, aren't these good for digestion and helping me lose weight? You know, that that's a little bit out of my jurisdiction, Gary. Uh, <laughs> but they're not oh. the same one for the, the replenishing. Uh, they're totally different? That, you know, I think there are different types out there, Gary. Oh, okay. So we, we so there's a blending of these good that may help in weight loss. And when they're taking these particular supplements, I hearing I'm hearing that you know some people say I'm taking this program because it's going to help me lose weight. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the ones that are actually needing for the for the women where they're where they're probably having these UTIs. And so in essence, it may or may not help in the UTIs. Is that right? That's exactly right. Okay. Now the most interesting myth that you discussed that had probably the most I would say discussion amongst us attendees was bubble baths are evil. <laughs> okay, so tell us about that. So it's it, that's that's kind of an interesting one that I hear a lot of times that that uh, uh, women have been told that uh, they should avoid bubble baths and um, they should stick to showers if they have frequent urinary tract infections. And during my presentation, I also showed uh, some slides that I uh, found from reputable organizations uh, that suggested that women should avoid uh, bubble baths. And when you look at, again, looking at the data, looking at what's been really published about it, the the evidence for this is not there. Um, the thought is that uh, the some of the soaps and some of the uh, maybe the uh, uh, the cleansers in the bubble bath solutions can irritate the external vaginal area in women and make it seem like there's a, a urinary tract infection while it's really just sort of irritation is what it is and so the the conclusion of what I found was that there is absolutely no uh, evidence to support uh, uh, limiting bubble baths uh, in women with infections and uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, summaries actually said that you know the benefits uh, and the enjoyment of bubble baths outweigh the risks <laughs> well that's uh, a positive thing I'm sure the listeners are going to love that absolutely so but but correct me if I'm wrong a bubble bath that may have not um, clean or good enough water content couldn't it Cause it, cause a problem in infections if, well, if, if the water isn't clean enough, or uh, I'm not hard to describe what I'm trying to say is uh, they've added bubble ingredients, they've added oils, they've added, but it may not be good water initially. Well, you know that's hard. That's hard to say. You know, we don't uh, we don't really have a good test of a water's cleanliness. You know, before it gets into the tub. Um, 
I think, again, the evidence is, uh, it shows that the soaps can irritate, and obviously if somebody has sensitive skin and uh, uh, they find that they're irritated by the soaps, then that may not be something that uh, they want to use for that purpose. But but at this point, uh, we don't have anything uh, okay. substantial telling us that they... And the hands need. and this group also raised, they asked you about, is this similar to hot tubs, people going out and outdoor and having their swimming pool in their hot tubs, could they could they get more UTIs if they frequently use hot tubs? And even one person even asked about swimming in the swimming pool. Correct. And I think I said, uh, you know, as far as hot tubs go, absolutely no evidence to uh, to say that people shouldn't be in the hot tub. I also feel like as, with swimming pools, with all the chemicals we place in our swimming pools, uh, I think... That might be the safest uh, place to uh, uh, to swim at this point. You know, they kill off, I think, a lot of bacteria. Well, I think a lot of our listeners out there are going to say, "Yes, I continue having my bubble baths, and they're not evil like the lit- like some of the reports that you see on the news media might say." Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, n- number four, I thought was an interesting one, and is that cotton underwear is better than other types of underwear for women. Well, this one I've definitely heard quite a bit that uh, that women were told that they need to wear uh, more breathable underwear rather than things like thongs or or lycra uh, underwear. And again, there is no evidence uh, uh, in the literature to uh, to support this. Uh, I think the thinking about it is is that. Uh, especially with thongs, that uh, there may be a possibility of tracking some of the bacteria from the rectal and the vaginal area uh, closer to the urine channel. And so this may lead to more infections. And the, the thought process behind the cotton underwear is that the fibers are more spread out, they're looser, they allow the fabric to breathe, uh, and there's less chance of tracking that, uh, that bacteria. Um, and I think there's a there's some practical use to this. That, uh, if a woman has any type of incontinence, if she loses urine uh, and she may have wet underwear, um, that I think tends to be a, a, a bigger issue. It's just keeping that moisture away. I think that will help uh, decrease the chance of irritation and infections. And if a woman does get frequent urinary infections, I think it's not a bad idea maybe to switch to cotton underwear. But again, this is more of a practical change rather than one that's supported by, you know, good solid data. Okay, a follow-up question, which was asked, and I don't remember your answer. (laughs) One of our uh, attendees there uh, said, what about cotton underwear that's colored? Should I only use white? Again, uh, <laughs> I thought that was, and I said, "Oh, oh, what's the difference here?" I think there's no difference. I think the fibers in the cotton underwear are still spread apart the, the same way. Okay, I know, so, I know you're laughing, but it was an actual question. Absolutely, and, and I think you did answer the same way. It doesn't really matter, uh, but uh, and it doesn't matter about the make, model, and and they're all cotton, right? Correct. And uh, cotton's cotton. Cotton's cotton. Okay, number myth number five, and this one was another one that had a lot of hands that came up. Drinking lots of cranberry juice will help reduce my UTIs. 
So this is uh, probably, uh, I think I spend a lot of time on this one because I think that this is actually an area that has a lot of the data. A lot of people have published some studies about this, and it tends to be the uh, uh, the thing I hear in the office the most is, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was getting a, a UTI, and suddenly, you know, I started drinking cranberry juice, and I felt better. <laughs> so can I... Is this is this the way to go? Is this the way to prevent infections? The the reasoning behind cranberry juice is is uh, there's an active compound there called proanthocyanidin P, or PACs, and basically these are antioxidants that help prevent bacteria from sticking to the bladder wall. Now they do not prevent the bacteria from getting into the bladder. But once they're in the bladder, there is uh, some evidence to show that they help the bacteria or they help the bladder from being uh, from the bacteria sticking to it. So it's an anti-sticking. It, it, it prevents it from sticking. Exactly. Exactly. So once the bacteria are there, they could potentially prevent the sticking of it. So um, and there have been quite a few studies, actually, that have uh, that have evaluated this. And originally it was thought that, yes, that there is some evidence of uh, the cranberry uh, products that have these PACs and have a higher amount of PACs that may actually help prevent infections in women that get frequent and recurrent uh, infections. And then some additional literature came out that said that maybe that difference was not as strong as we originally thought. Um, and so uh, since that time, there have been more and more studies coming out. So I think the the, the jury's still out on uh, on cranberry juice, but there are pluses and minuses to using it. And so what are the pluses? Well, the pluses is that, uh, for the most part, uh, it there may be uh, some element of it that helps. So if a woman gets recurrent infections, I think that there's some thought to having her use uh, these products. Now, we don't know which product is best, and we also don't know the threshold of how much of these PACs are really important uh, to keep infections away. On the minus side, uh, cranberries can irritate the, the stomach, so gastric reflux can be exacerbated because they're very acidic. Uh, they also have oxalates in them, which uh, uh, could uh, shift some of the balance towards forming kidney stones. Probably not oh, so, much. So it's going to shift the area. Correct. It Instead could, of it, having a UTI, you're going to end up possibly getting kidney stones. Well, at least increase your risk for them, absolutely. Uh, they, uh, they're they not cheap. The supplements and cranberry juice um, are, uh, are can be quite expensive. So if you're going to be using it all the time, uh, be prepared to, uh, uh, to pay money out of pocket. They're not covered by insurance. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, so there's, uh, you know, there, it, it, it's a it's a risk and balance uh, uh, type of situation. So it has some benefit, but we don't know conclusively whether it's the. And it could be, Doc, as as I hear it's, and she says she or he may say, I feel better after I've done this. It may be what's what's the the term the sentinel uh, oh, the, uh, the placebo effect the placebo effect absolutely absolutely and, and i I've, I've heard people doing certain things and uh, i feel great absolutely and they're sugar pills right just like this well and 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 the sugar and the sugar is <laughs> another point gary that that uh, a lot of the cranberry juices and the preparations have a, a lot of sugar in them so you always want to be careful added sugar it's mm-hmm. not and I, I had one lady said no they don't add sugar in absolutely 
there's there's sugar and you got to take a look. So if you have somebody who's diabetic, uh, uh, that might not be the best uh, supplement and, for that. And I've never had a, you know, I've had dried cranberries, but they still even those dried cranberries have sugar added to make them. They're so tart that you can't take them by themselves. So Absolutely. Uh, they, they're they're added sugar. Yeah. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Dr. Alex Gomelski, who is a urologist with LSU Health Sciences Center here in Shreveport, and he's discussing the urological mythbusters. So we've gone through, let's see how many. We've gone through six or seven here, um, but we're going to go. We're going to hit number seven now. Myth number, excuse me, continuation of myth number five is what really works to help reduce urinary tract infections. We talked about cranberries, may or may not, cranberry juice, may or may not, but what might really help? Well, I think the number one thing is what I call cycling the urine, which means stay well hydrated. Uh, if bacteria w- do get into the bladder, which they inevitably will, uh, if you drink plenty and you make urine and you pass your urine, you will flush out back any bacteria that get into your bladder. So staying well hydrated is uh, one of the key things that we recommend to women is keep the urine nice and clear. Um, Wiping from front to back is just intuitive. It, it means that you are not uh, wiping any of uh, the bacteria that are around the rectum towards the bladder or towards the vagina. You're wiping it away. As we talked about before, keeping dry. If you if women do have some uh, wetness, then uh, either wearing a pad or changing underwear and keeping that wetness away from the vaginal area will decrease their irritation. In women after menopause, maybe replenishing some estrogen. Uh, uh, through a cream uh, or a suppository may help uh, improve the vaginal health that could decrease some infections. So those are all uh, things that we talk about that are uh, very simple things that women can do to prevent infections. So the, the, one of the most important thing the top of this is drink, right? Exactly, exactly, which... Uh, can be sometimes counterintuitive. Uh, <laughs> if women are going to the bathroom frequently, then they may not want to drink uh, because they feel that they might go to the bathroom a little bit more. But as far as infections go, decreasing that time of the urine in the bladder is important. Oh, as a follow-up question, and I've had uh, other people, I'm guests on my show, mention the types of water. Mm-hmm. There must be a million types of waters and additives and types and pH values, and, and it's it's mind-boggling. So uh, is there any better than others? I, I honestly uh, don't think there are any better than others at this point. Uh, I think that uh, if, if people have a product that they're happy with or w- uh, whether it's what they have at home, I say just stick with it. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a good advice there. Make Keep it simple. Don't, mm-hmm. don't be involved in all the latest, greatest fads that may or may not work. We don't even know if they work, right? Exactly. Okay. So going on to other myths here is regarding kidney stones. So myth number six talks about are all 
all kidney stones hurt? Do they all hurt? Well, they actually do not. They do not. Uh, kidney stones form in the kidneys, and they're made up of fluid and crystals, uh, actually crystals that stick together. And if a stone is in the kidney, unless it's very large, it will often not cause any pain. Uh, essentially, it's like an ice cube in a glass. It'll bounce around, uh, but not really stick to anything and, and not block the flow of urine. If it uh, decides to pass, and uh, I'm sure we've all heard of people trying to pass a kidney stone, it means, oh, that, yes. means that that stone is attempting to go from the kidney into the bladder through a thin tube that is shaped like a funnel. It's wider at the top and more narrow at the bottom. And if a stone gets lodged in that tube, then the kidney begins to push a little bit harder, trying to push the urine past the stone, and that's when the waves of pain start. So it's really a, uh, a stone in the ureter, the urine tube between kidney and bladder, that will typically cause the pain. And so as it progresses down, it could that's where you could get more pain. Absolutely, absolutely. The, actually, the smaller the stone is, it has the longest way it will travel, so there occasionally is more pain with smaller stones. So when the onset of that pain comes, and what should an individual do? Well, it's a, it's a fairly severe pain. It will start in the side, uh, towards the back, and, and maybe towards the upper kind of rib cage area, and it will be waves of pain. They will come and go. Uh, often there'll be nausea and vomiting that will uh, come with it, and uh, I think that's a that's a good time to call either your doctor or potentially emergency room. Uh, I know women have described this type of pain as worse than childbirth, so if uh, uh, men will just typically say it's the worst pain they can imagine. Well, I, I will tell my listeners, been there, done that. I've had it on three occasions, and um, it was definitely. Uh, a remarkable pain, and it did increase like tremendously over over a period of time before it was remedied. Mm -hmm. So uh, I will definitely attest to that one. And I didn't know it was big at the at the the big at the at the at the end of the the kidney, and then it got thinner. Well, is that sad one, right? <laughs> exactly. So I didn't feel it when it got real to the, to the initial stages until it progressed down. That's what I started feeling. It. That's exactly right. Wow, but but some could be so small, and they could that you be having kidney stones, but you don't have this this sensation. Correct, correct. Certainly, there there are some people that pass very small stones uh, all the time, and they are small enough to where they might give them a little twinge of pain, but typically will pass without uh, obstructing the flow. So uh, those, I guess, they're, those people are lucky. In some ways, uh, I guess unlucky to be forming stones, but at least uh, not requiring much help. Okay. Myth number seven discusses decreasing your calcium intake to prevent kidney stones. Is that true or false? If somebody takes a lot of calcium, uh, if they're drinking a gallon of milk a day or they're taking uh, a significant amount of supplement, then we will ask them to cut down on it. But for the most part, calcium... Uh, oxalate stones, which make up about 75% of all stones, are a balance between calcium and oxalate crystals. And so actually, if, if you begin to limit your calcium significantly, you could form an imbalance of crystals, and you might increase some formation of stones. So what we tell people to do is, however they get their calcium, stick with it, whether it's cheese, milk, ice cream, what have you, uh, but uh, don't reduce it significantly.
And again, those that drink a lot of milk, you know, a gallon a day or take a significant amount of supplement, we will ask them to cut down on it a little bit. So uh, this, the, the significant is, is dependent on the individual patient. Person. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. A, a larger person might need more calcium than a smaller person. There are probably other factors involved, right? There, there are always factors involved in how much each person. But so an overadult, so it's not always the calcium. Correct. That's exactly right. That's that, probably the best way to put it, is that the calcium is not the only culprit. Okay. The, the, other, uh, the other myth, number eight, in regarding kidney stones is cutting out cola drinks to prevent kidney stones. Is that true or false? It's, uh, for the most part, it, it has not, uh, it's not a theory that has borne out. Uh, colas do have some oxalate in it, and as, as I said before, oxalate is one of those crystals that if you have more of it, it can uh, predispose you to stone formation. Uh, there, ha- there was a large study where they looked at uh, uh, over 45,000 men, and wow. uh, they looked at 21 different types of beverages that these uh, uh, men were drinking, and they looked at it over a six-year period, and they wanted to see what the relationship between these different drinks and stone formation was. And they found that in that study that cola intake did increase the stone risk. But interestingly, when they looked at other dietary factors, uh, and uh, we call these confounding uh, factors, they saw that when, when we eliminated those dietary uh, intake, those different things, uh, the colas did not significantly impact stone formation. So what were some of the other dietary? What, was, what do you mean by that? Well, certainly there are uh, other things that have oxalate in it uh, would be leafy greens. There's chocolate. There's uh, peanuts can do it. Beans can have it as well. So I think when they looked at the different uh, things, they found that maybe, at least in their population, that they had uh, uh, some additional uh, uh, dietary oxalate factors involved. What about... Iced tea. Yes. So so tea does have some oxalate in it, and it is one of the foods that we in, uh, teach our patients about, that maybe moderation is, is important in, in those foods and liquids. And and not to compare, but what, after I had my series of kidney studs, my doctor said, if you're going to drink iced tea, add lemon juice as much as you can. I think that's a that's great advice. Uh, we actually will call it lemonade therapy uh, in our in our practice, where uh, lemon juice uh, and uh, to some degree orange juice uh, they have citric acid in them, and citric acid is converted to something called citrate, which is a good crystal. Good it, crystal. And this is the one good crystal that helps uh, some stones uh, keep from forming and will help other stones from uh, getting larger and help some of those bad crystals from sticking together. So uh, we encourage people to squeeze lemon in their water when they go out to eat. Uh, obviously, lemonade with real lemon juice is great. Orange juice is uh, good as well. Um, and uh, um, maybe some of those crystal light packets or uh, country time packets, if you don't like your water plain, those uh, could be a good source of citrate as well. Does an intake of salt increase possible kidney stones? More salt? Absolutely. And why is that? So the sodium that's uh, in the salt tends to kind of pull its buddy calcium into the oh. urine. Oh, okay. So we do talk about uh, uh, some judicious uh, uh, salt limitation, maybe keeping it under a daily intake of uh, 3,000 
3,000 milligrams. So uh, that is, uh, you know, if somebody uh, eats out a lot, those foods have a lot of sodium in them. If they add salt at the table, if they're eating a lot of chips and pretzels, we'll say maybe that's a good idea. These are nice, easy ways to limit the salt. Well, it, it's amazing how many people throughout the world add salt to their meals. And, and we, we get so much ordinarily from anything we eat, do, or see, but they keep adding the salt shaker and, and mm-hmm. overindulge. I'm, I'm not preaching out there, but I've been limiting my salt for years, and, and I think it's hopefully been to my betterment that uh, you don't need to add salt. There's enough salt in everything we eat around here. I always and I will always ask if there's if there's somebody that adds salt before even tasting their food. <laughs> That's a good point. I see a lot of people doing that. They're, mm-hmm. all, they're they're adding it before they even taste it. Exactly. And then when they taste it, wow, this is great. You know, it's absolutely. That's why. Okay. The the other myth, which I, which again got a few of the attendees like, wow, again we're picking on cranberry. Juice. <laughs> now, everybody's heard this one. Cranberry juice cures kidney stone problems okay moi has done that before when i had my first kidney stone i i probably put down a gallon of kidney of of cranberry juice to try to flush that baby out absolutely uh so uh, again it goes along with the cranberry myth that cranberry uh, juice or uh, cranberry supplements fix every urologic urinary problem so Whatever you got going on with the bladder, just just hit the cranberry juice and you'll be better. Well, like I said before, cranberries do have oxalate in them, so that is obviously something that we don't want. And there's absolutely no evidence there that 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 cranberry juice has any benefit for stones. The only benefit that I could ever see is the fact that it has a lot of fluid in it. So you drink fluid and you make urine, and again you and you, you help you, push, help move it exactly. But but correct me. That's what okay, my mother told me that it helped me urinate more to help flush those kidney stones out. Is that a is that a, a myth too? I would just uh, I, again yes, you would urinate more, uh, but I would suggest uh, something better than cranberry juice, just because of the oxalate content. You know, again, we always say water is really going to be your best just friend. Plain water, plain water, and anything with lemon in it is going to be your best okay best friend. Good deal. Okay, the the other myth number 10, which some of the gentlemen didn't like this one, is when they had their kidney stones, they drank drank a lot of beer to pass that kidney stone. So will that work? Uh, It may work, uh, (laughs) but there's a a caveat, there's a catch to this. So uh, alcohol, especially beer, uh, does have some diuretic properties. It will make you produce more urine and you will urinate uh, more frequently. So what that will do is obviously if if you're able to flush the stone out, it may help with that. But keeping in mind that, that along with the diuretic uh, properties, beer can dehydrate you, and so you need more water at that point. And it also may decrease the excretion of something called uric acid. So, it, again, it may cause an imbalance in certain types of crystals, which could shift the balance more towards certain types of stones. So... Uh, if you know beer is part of your daily routine and you have a kidney stone, by all means. But uh, keep in mind that it's it, always nice to balance it out with water. And uh, we can't, uh, we don't recommend beer. But if it works for people, uh, we may not talk them out of it. 
Okay, so what do you, Doc, recommend to our listeners out there to help them prevent or help pass kidney stones? Absolutely. So the prevention is really the key here. Uh, drinking water until the urine is clear. When the urine looks like uh, water, it means that you are well hydrated, hmm. if not overly hydrated. And that was hydrated. something I learned new. I was not aware. I thought if I take these vitamins and so forth, my urine's not clear and and I keep drinking, it's still like that That stuff is still in my system for a while. But I need to keep drinking water till it's clear. Okay. Exactly, exactly. The, uh, the urine is going to be a combination of, of waste that your body is uh, removing and extra fluid that your body doesn't need. Uh, if the urine is very dark and thick, it usually means your body is holding on to fluid and getting rid of the waste. If it uh, is nice and clear, it means that it's getting rid of that extra fluid. So you want to get to the point, if you form stones, that your body is getting rid of the extra fluid. That means you're well hydrated. Your tank is full. Your tank is full. I like yeah. that. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the lemonade therapy we talked about is, a, is always a good step. Uh, again, uh, adding lemon to your water, uh, real lemon juice, things like that. Uh, keep normal calcium intake. Don't, uh, don't okay. limit it significantly. Follow-up question. Yeah. Okay. So one of the persons asked, and I don't... I, they asked after you left, what about uh, limes? What's the difference in lemons and limes? I think limes are okay. We always talk about lemons just because I think they're just more, uh, <laughs> more, of them around. <laughs> more around, and, 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 and I guess we, we have them more in our, in our diets, but I think limes would be so okay. They, they still have the same type of acidic acid or whatever. They would also have the citric acid, but interestingly, grapefruits are not as good. Oh. So we do tell people to stay away from the grapefruits. Okay. Uh, we do also talk about moderate protein intake for people that form stones. The reason is that proteins are made of, of amino acids, and anything that will raise the acidity of your of, of your urine uh, can shift the balance towards more stones. So this comes into play more when people are in some of those diets like the uh, Atkins uh, oh. or South Beach when they're eating all protein, all protein. So that oh. can shift some of the balance. So we always talk about moderation. Okay. Uh, and then obviously we talked about the sodium and then the oxalate. Uh, if somebody is eating a lot of leafy greens, uh, you know, every day, uh, maybe a lot of uh, nuts or beans, then we may and colas and tea. Then we'll also talk about some moderation in those. Okay, a, f- a follow-up question here. Gary has a lot of follow-up questions. Outstanding. <laughs> so at, at the at the mini med, I think one of us, I don't know if it was me or my neighbor, raised our hand. And you mentioned about pH, and the gentleman said to me, and I said, ask the doctor, how do you determine the P- your pH? So that's a great question. It's actually a very easy uh, way to do it. So the, the pH will... Your pH of your urine. Exactly. So it's, uh, it goes from 0 to 14, and 7 is right in the middle, which is kind of where we want it. Anything below 7 is we call acidic. Anything above 7 is basic. Uh, it's uh, going back to high school chemistry. Um, and uh, most stones in, like to form in an acidic environment. An acidic. So if we raise the pH of the urine uh, a number of different ways, then we can um, uh, maybe uh, decrease the chance that stones will form and maybe even shrink certain stones or eliminate them. Uh, the easiest way to check your pH are pH strips. And uh, there are some pharmacies that carry them. Um, and basically, you would just uh, uh, pee on a pee on a little strip and see it change color. Um, if they're not available in pharmacies, uh, they may be in pool supply stores. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. The pools do. You do. You do yeah. get the strips so, from the pH value of the uh, swimming pool. So some of our uh, uh, recurrent stone formers will have them keep track of their pHs, and it just gives them something to, to monitor and maybe adjust some of their. So, Doug, the, the ideal is to be above 7? Uh, right at 7 would be perfect. Uh, the reason being is that there are some stones that form in a basic environment. So if you overshoot your pH, there's a, a, a greater chance that you might form another type of stone. So it's a fine balance. So taking some of these precautions about drinking water, the lemonade therapy, etc., will po- possibly cause my pH to increase. Correct, especially that lemonade therapy. That's wow. the big one. That, that's the big one. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's a good thing, because a lot of people thought it's the color of the urine determining the pH. I, I had that gentleman, that's why he asked mm-hmm. you that, because he thought the the, the color was the, the indicator of whether or not it's uh, low, low pH. Yeah, no, I would definitely uh, not pay too much attention to the color of the urine unless it's very dark. It just m- might mean you're not drinking enough fluids. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Sunny Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep Deal. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Kaligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show is a special guest, is Dr. Alex Gomelski, who is a urologist with the LSU Health Sciences Center here in Shreveport discussing urological myths. So, Doc, we've discussed some great myths and solved those particular myths and got those out there. And now we're going to talk about incontinence, okay? So myth number 11 is urinary linkage leakage is normal. Is that true or false? I would say it's false. Uh, it, it, but it is a common finding, especially, and we're going to be talking mainly about women. Uh, as women get older, uh, it is, it does become more common with age. At the same time, it's not a normal part of either having babies, uh, or growing older, but we do see it, uh, occur. And so, the other one, the other aspect of the myth, all leakage is created equal, and you, you commented about that at the at the presentation. So, what do you what do you what do you comment about that one? That basically the the uh, involuntary urine loss, whether it's uh, whether it's large or small amounts, it can be due to different uh, factors. Uh, some women have what we call urge leakage, and an urge is that very strong desire to urinate that a woman can't postpone. And she's got to go, got to go, and run to the bathroom and not make it. Uh, that's one type of leakage. And then the second uh, common one is something called stress leakage. And stress is uh, a increase in abdominal pressure, a cough, a sneeze, laugh, run, jump, that uh, pushes urine out. And uh, those are the most common kinds. And actually the most uh, common scenario I see is a woman has both, uh, at least some element of both. It's important to differentiate them because they're treated very differently. So they, they, they can be treated? Absolutely. With, with medication, surgery, what else? All of the above. Uh, and there are numerous options. Uh, and we usually will start simple uh, and uh, and kind of ramp up from there. But, yes, you're, uh, depending on what type of leakage they have and what bothers them, we can adjust the treatment uh, for them. Okay. The, the other myth that, that uh, was highly um, discussed 
is the person the, the comment was made I leak so my bladder has dropped is that true or false well that is uh, is false uh, and this is something I hear uh, a lot All the time. In, in my practice uh, a woman wants to have her bladder checked because she begins to leak and she wants to know if the bladder has dropped and uh, we do see a dropped bladder often with urinary leakage, but it's two separate problems. Uh, it's a, Both are due to weak muscles in the pelvis, but they're just weak in different places or different sets of muscles. And so uh, a good examination and a history will, will typically show us if they have one or both. And it's important to separate the two because they're treated very differently. And and during your presentation, you also mentioned that you know one of the myths was surgery is 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 the is not the cure, is not the only cure for incontinence. Correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think this is probably the most important thing that we try to uh, tell our patients is that depending on what type of leakage you have, you may have uh, many different options for treatment. Uh, some women that aren't bothered by their leakage. Uh, may not be uh, treated at all. Others may have uh, medications that can be that can treat them. Some will be surgical candidates. Sometimes there'll be more complex treatments also. And didn't some of the women ask you about exercises? Certain exercises that can help? Absolutely. I think a lot of women will remember something called Kegel exercises that they were likely told about when they were pregnant or after delivery. And I think it's a great idea that can be taken a step further, and we work with some very talented physical therapists that might be able to help women uh, of all ages uh, learn how to do certain exercises that may help tighten up those muscles and uh, improve their control without surgery and without taking medicine. Well, one of the I noticed one of the ladies at this at the conference was asking, what determines the factor that I need to go see my doctor if I'm having urinary leakage? I mean, that was the, I think our thrust was when do I need to uh, not do self-diagnosis and self-treatment? I think that, uh, I think that urinary leakage is a very personal issue and it causes a different impact on lifestyle in every woman. If a woman can say to herself that her lifestyle is good, whether she leaks or not, and it doesn't stop her from doing the things that she enjoys, then she can go ahead and observe it. If it becomes bothersome to her, or if it stops her from doing the things that she likes, I think that's a good time to go see somebody and uh, talk about options. If she has frequent infections or painful urine loss or uh, a bulge or blood in the urine, then those, I think, are all reasons why a woman might want to go in sooner rather than later because there could be some underlying problems that uh, are maybe a little more uh, important to address quickly. Wow. So, again, thank you for joining us today. This was quite educational. I mean, again, a lot of follow-up questions. Pardon me for those, but I know a lot of my listeners like to get those follow-up uh, the rest of the story type information and I know you have benefited many of our listeners out there in the Arklatex and thank you again for joining us today thank you so much Gary we'll be right back with more information but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible you're listening to the best of times radio hour here on news radio 710 Keel partly presented by A-Bears Tenant Country of Shreveport your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. 
Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Key. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of the best of times at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Coligas wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to the best of times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K E E L, Shreveport, Bossier.